0: T-minus 10 in counting to liftoff. They're on their feet at the stadium already.
1: Michael, 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 what did you do? The rings, the bling, the logo, the legacy, and the story. Nah. We breaking ankles, we breaking records, coast to coast, overseas, in the paint, above the rim, at the buzzer. Oh, but it didn't stop there. We're on the diamond, we're on the pitch, we in the big house, the big easy big game. Rhyming, dancing, skating, riding. No breaks, no limits. Chris is bowing We on the stage, off-white, flashing lights, cameras, action, fighting bad guys, being bad guys, on the runway, making runway, taking off from the foul line. Didn't MJ already do that? Nah, the other foul line. We in orbit, on Mars. Speaking of Mars. We're back in the day. Are we winning statues now? We're a family. No I, ours. Yeah. What did you do?
2: Hot fire. <laughs> <laughs> <What>
3: the <fuck? laughs>
2: That's the intro we're going with. Um, that needs that, to that,
0: drop. Yeah, that that was an amazing, amazing, uh, spot that one of our marketing misfits, uh, Jeff McHenry worked on, uh, Wyden Kennedy Thanks coming off that. of the Jordan Last Dance. Um, we'll talk a little bit about it. Well, first we'll introduce ourselves. Um, welcome to the Marketing Misses Podcast, episode twenty-eight or 29? Nine. twenty-nine. Nine. Twenty-nine. Episode twenty-nine. We're going to focus on the last dance, uh, MJ's last season with the Chicago Bulls. I am Mike Summers. Dave Smith. Jeff McHenry.
2: Ryan Chappelle. Stuart Cornelius.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to get into this. Um, Jeff, I'm, I'm, I'm just like envious of your job. The fact that you get to to watch the last dance and Actually, go to work and work on that.
2: Legendary. Yeah, man, that's that's wild. wild. You guys can't see it, but Jeff has like a huge smile on his face. He does. He does. (laughs) And his teeth are white, so So it's just like the only thing you see on the screen is amazing. (laughs) That's (laughs) wild. I mean, I I I do
0: love what I do, but at the same time, I have to watch the last dance and then I go talk about like new moms. So like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) watch the last dance and then talk about the last dance. That's amazing. I appreciate that, man. For real. Uh, t- can you tell us a little bit about um, just kind of what uh, what inspired the spot? I, like, I, I don't understand the entire kind of creative process that that um, particularly Nike or Jumpman kind of go through, and because uh, they're so connected to culture. Um, yeah. Just, just how did it even kind of come up?
4: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, man. I think the it's interesting, it's like whenever you're you're working on anything that's related to Michael Jordan or the Jordan brand specifically, you're trying to figure out like what's a a story about him or the brand that hasn't quite been told yet, and I would say for us, like the thing that we really wanted to focus on was kind of not only the impact that he's had on the game but sort of the influence that he's had off the court so for us, like what you'll see in the spot is that. We we kind of start the spot focusing on just like, you know, the very linear impact of that free throw dunk and all the aspects of, of the game that it influenced, but just that it had such broad cultural impact, man. Like Jordan, in, in a way, just influenced everything from fashion to music to marketing to all the stuff that we love. And I think that we really wanted to highlight that in the spot. So... A lot of the stuff that we talked about is that you know Michael Jordan had an impact that was much bigger than the game of basketball, and it influenced all aspects of culture. And so that's what you kind of see in the spot, and that was kind of the driving force behind it.
0: One one thing I've always admired um, Nike about, um, or about Nike, and, and, and there are a few other brands that do it as well, but but Nike does does, does it great is you see a lot of brands and they have their marketing strategy and then they have a more, their multicultural strategy. Um, yeah. it, it doesn't feel separate with yep. a lot of creative yep. you guys have put out. Um, has that, has that conversation or how does that conversation land there? Does it ever come up? Just, just wondering where it is.
4: No, it's a great question, man. I think, We've been fortunate in that those two lines kind of blend together in many ways. So I think as you've seen with The Last Dance or as you've seen with sort of Jordan's impact, like it's global. You know what I mean? So even in the stuff that we highlight in the spot, it's not just based in the United States. Like we're going all across the globe. And I feel the fact that he has influenced every aspect of culture, but so many different parts of the world. I think it it really starts to show you just like the overarching influence that he's had, which is really special and really unique.
0: All right. Yeah, so I'm, um, I think that's a perfect segue into, into what the topic is today. Uh, So today we'll be. Talking about the last dance, um, if you guys have not seen, it, it is a 10 part series, um, on ESPN, um, Really exploring MJ's last season with the Chicago Bulls of, of being able to get his capture a sixth title. Um, if I if I if I'm not misquoting, I believe they let a, a camera crew in to capture a lot of of uh, um, film that last season. Mike owned the rights to it, and he has finally released it. Um, this is something that that has been a build up. Um the first the first time I was exposed to it, I believe first time many people were exposed to it was during the Super Bowl. Um they had a commercial for it uh coming later this year. They pulled it up um due to COVID and uh, due to us being quarantined and then not having sports and every um man and woman sports lover in the World needing something, uh, to, for, <laughs> <explore, laughs> yeah. um, and, and being able to give us this 10 part series on Sunday nights so over, over five different Sunday nights. Um, they just concluded this past Sunday. Um, and so we'll, we'll really get into kind of the guts of what this season meant to us. But then I think you'll, you'll realize through the conversation, um, I think we really want to get some topics of how it kind of parallels other things within um, our office or marketing. Um, so with that, uh, Jeff, I think you're kind of the best person to drive this conversation coming off that spot. Uh, so I'll hand it over to you.
4: Yeah, for sure, man. And and I would say like, for me personally, like this is one of the, the greatest sports documentaries I've ever seen in my life, um, which which I feel like is a whole different conversation in itself. But I think for the purpose of the podcast today, there's a lot that we can kind of get into on the documentary, but I think what's been interesting is that there's a lot of topics that are that are really applicable to the world of sort of business and marketing, and so I think the way we can kind of treat this episode is I'll kind of I'll kind of touch on a couple of different topics, and we can kind of kind of deep dive into each of them uh, separately, and there might be some overlap, but we can kind of go from there. So, I think the first topic is really around sort of the lens of leadership. So, if anyone's seen uh, the documentary, or even if you haven't seen the documentary, you probably heard plenty of stories about Michael Jordan's kind of leadership style, and his leadership style is really kind of centered around this this notion of tough love, and it's one that's been well documented kind of in MJ's experience. But in many in many ways, in sports culture, like the notion of tough love is celebrated uh, a lot in the world of sports, and you know when you watch.
0: Did we lose Jeff.
2: Uh oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. yeah we, oh
0: man. We're yeah, we, 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 we might have, oh, lost, lost Jeff,
1: but I think, I think we can pick up from where he was getting at. I think when you think about tough love, and <clears throat> you're watching a documentary, you're trying to understand, you know, the, this leadership style, which is like, which is very like, you know, it's, it's very confrontational. It's very, you know, it's very much focused on accountability. Like there's no you can't be out here not practicing hard and and not showing up to meetings without you know your laptop and and all that other stuff. I think that's very interesting, but you know as Jeff started to kind of lay out some of the the things there, I started to think culturally what that means mm-hmm. and and how we're and how we've been cultivated right so my parents are immigrants, and I would tell you that tough love is probably. It's probably all I've ever gotten <laughs> from from the time that I that I've you know I was a young boy to even just as as an older gentleman. But I would also say that there is a lot within just the black community in America that that because of society makes you it, it makes you or it makes our how we're cultivated um, very different than everyone else. So, so I, when I look at Michael Jordan and his leadership style. I'm not very surprised because it's very honest, <laughs> it's very forthright and, and to the point, and it's very much like, yo, this is do your job. Th- that's all I need you to do is do your job. Like, you know, you, you know, when you get an A, you come home and it's like, good. That's the hell are you supposed to do. A, a lot of yo, a lot of those feelings start to kind of line up
3: when I think about that. Yeah, Dave, what are you saying? It feels like double Dutch. I couldn't wait to jump in here. I think right. <laughs> I think that you you hit on a lot of great points, but the one I want to really dig into is just like that notion of why you do what you're supposed to. I'm not going to reward you for doing what you're supposed to do. You really need to impress me for me to you know praise you. And I think yes, that's, I I I think that's what I, it. Look, bro, you're in my <laughs> mind. I think that's really. I think that's really. What I saw with that Steve cursing, thing. And, and granted, you know, it, it was great seeing a little bit into his background because I didn't know that story. But I would love to know, right? You think about psychology and kind of how people tick. I I wonder what type of upbringing he had, right? Like, I wonder how he was prone to receive tough love because as someone who got that from my father, not an immigrant, just a light skinned man from Virginia who was hella militant, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that there are aspects I of that that tough yes, love or that is something yes, yes. I think that tough love is something that one, it just comes two things. One is it comes with the pretense of love, right? So family gives you that. But then frankly when it comes to like the game, whatever your game is, in this case it's basketball, soccer, whatever, the fact that you give blood, sweat, and pierce that I think that they gives people leeway to give more of themselves, right? That raw emotion. Whereas in the business office, I don't know. Like I'm not getting a chip with you. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna get my paycheck. Every two weeks, and but I don't know if I can justify you treating me this way in a corporate
2: setting. Mm-hmm. So
3: therein lies the issue, right? Because you're starting to think about
1: leadership. But but if you, we're talking about leadership, but we're also talking about yeah. what good leadership looks like, right? And so while, while the result was championships, I don't necessarily think that, I don't necessarily
2: think that that's the best method for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you just hit the nail on the head too. Like it. I think leadership is different for everyone. Everyone has their own style. And I think the more that you can lean into your own style will make you a, an effective, a really effective leader. I think sometimes when people lead or want to lead, I think they try to adopt either where they're lacking or, you know, p- trying to fix their weaknesses versus playing into their strengths, right? And I think, mm-hmm. I think early on in my career, I don't know about you guys, but I felt like a lot of times. A lot of the leadership that I had would try to focus on the weaknesses I had, but versus like why why am I not amplifying my strengths so that that is what's gonna take me far and continue to get me where I've gotten to? So I think that's super important. And
3: Ryan, I think, I think the, go I'm ahead, fine. go ahead,
2: Mike.
0: No, Ryan, I I think you're one ten on that one because I uh I I preach a lot that we focus too much on opportunity gaps versus what the strengths are and how to place people in the right, right. positions mm-hmm. for them to be successful. Um, but but I. I so two perspectives, one, I, I'm not sure if there's a one-size-fits-all a, in, in one um, approach for leadership. I think that there may be, and there's a lot of ways to cut it, one way to cut it may be kind of um, large organizations versus small organizations, um, and we look at, uh, well, Michael Jordan's approach was that's typically the approach that we give the other black person that came into the company that we're at. Um, we're like, Hey, we pulled you in here. Get your shit together. Um, and, 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 we support them externally. Um, you know, this is, this is James. He came in here. He has this capability, et cetera, et cetera. But behind the scenes, we're like, Hey, man, you sure you want to wear that? You sure you want to do this? And, and that's a conversation that we can have, but we don't have it with everyone else. It's very, very different from what I expect from my CEO who is managing an array of people who he doesn't have that personal connection with and isn't on that small team with. Um, and, and there's an aspect of motivation that I need you to kind of provide to the, to the larger team in order to, to drive. But there is a, there is a certain, I think, realist approach that I appreciate that I can say, you know, even outside of leadership, I can tell, you know, Ryan, Hey man, them shoes is whack. I don't know where <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? Why, like, don't so wear it? Pick on job. Ryan's shoes, man. <laughs> You can't like, even I see
2: the shoe. Low key,
0: <laughs> but but there, there's an aspect of that, right? There, there's there's a fam aspect to being able to be tough. That's um, a that's, yeah. a, tru- that's yeah.
1: a trust. it's a trust thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm.
1: I, I trust, and I think, but when we think about leadership, and we think about our positions and where we've worked. I think that as 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 black men most most definitely I think that's the aspect that we are often lacking in a lot of those instances is that feedback um and the feedback that you may get again to Mike's point makes you focus more on, on what you don't have than what you're really good at already mhm um so so I think that that's a very interesting it's a very interesting position to look at feedback, right? Because I think honest feedback, honest feedback, I value a lot higher in personally than a person that just wants to give me compliments and, and avoid conflict.
2: Right. But I think a lot of people are Yeah. I think a lot of people are not honest. Like I feel like a lot Absolutely. of people say like, Oh, you're great. You're great. You're great. But I'm like, but no, really tell me like, yeah, go back to what you said about like trust. Do you trust this person enough? Because I probably would, I don't know if I would say I would trust somebody less, but I think I would not go to them for objective feedback if I really needed it, right? Yeah.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that's super interesting, too, because you think about, like, you know, I'm sure how many of us were raised, and I think we kind of touched on this a bit. It's like, you know, I'm being hard on you because I love you. Yes, (laughs) sir.
0: Yes, sir. You know what I
4: mean? Put it on a t-shirt, bro. You know, what I mean, and and it's just like that, that sort of sentiment, I think, as we've continued to educate ourselves more on sort of like psychology and mental health and so forth, we realize how much of that was like, that was just our parents or our grandparents or whoever, that was just what they knew. So that's what they passed on to us. But as we get more educated on, on that, it's like, we realize how hurtful that can be and how that actually ends up stunting us uh in in many ways so like that was what was so interesting about the mj documentary is like they talked a lot about about you know how him being so tough on them just like elevated them to this championship level and made them reach these new heights where i'm like i don't know if somebody barking in my face all day and yelling at me would have took me to a new level i just would have wanted to fight that person
0: (laughs) like
1: you know right. what I mean? So it's, it's not the only method. It definitely isn't the only method. I think that there <clears throat> there's a bunch of different examples where you can look at leadership and say that, yeah, that's the case because I I say it like this. It just so happened that they won. Mm-hmm. I don't know that, I don't know that, I, I don't know that, bur- I think that, I don't like the method. I don't love that method because I don't think that, that's a method that is successful all the time, right? It, so, it's, it's like when you're a strict prep parent and, like, your kid goes to college and they wild out, right, because they've, be, they've, they've never had this freedom ever. I think that there are more of the – I like more of the balanced approach as it pertains to that, like hard, hard on certain things and very specific and staunch on certain things, but also very much so um, nurturing of, of, of a creative way to solve a problem.
4: So, do you think that they won because of that mindset or despite it?
0: And I do want to call out that—that's
1: a a great question.
4: I asked about
0: that a little bit. That Kobe had the same mindset. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Um, and Jeff, I'm still your hot take, but but Steve Jobs had the same mindset. Yep. And
1: had immigrant parents, by the way.
0: Uh, there, I I just I'm just throwing it out there. If we're going to argue about if it works or not, there are two other case studies. That we've called out right now, where it did work.
1: No, I look. I, I yes, I just don't think that it's the best practice. That that's what I'm getting at. I get I get why it works. I you know what I'm saying. My parents are from Ghana, and they're they're very much of that mind frame, which I which is why I think I, I I I love watching stories about Michael Jordan and that the way he led, and Kobe Bryant and the way he led, um, and Steve Jobs and the way he led. Um and even Elon Musk and the way he leads, it's very weird and different and very like, yo, get it done. Um and, and yeah, I think that again, this a lot of this comes back to like nature versus nurture and, and what environments you were cultivated in also allows you to be more apt or
3: receive certain messages um better than others. Yeah, and I think another part of it is, you know, unfortunately none of it happens in a vacuum, so it's like I If I had to, you know, to lean on one thing, I would say it's working because of it, right? The tough love, not in spite of it. But there is another, you know, if you were to do the uh, standard deviation, whatever mathematical way, there's something else to me that is directly related to that tough love. So whether it's the um, encouragement that you get, like the little, almost like the carrot and the stick, right? Whether it's a little bit of encouragement you get to keep doing well or it's something else. But I do think that tough love is... Frankly, like it, it's required to be great, and frankly, I think that also says something about me in terms of right, you know, mm-hmm. nature versus nurture. Like it's it's never all based on just one thing. That, well, well, there was also yeah, I and, that. And, and Jeff, I want to let you get to to you
0: know questions you have. No, but, it's okay. But but there was also an aspect of like everyone accepting that this is the most important thing in their life. Uh, the like professionals,
2: I <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know,
0: They're professional, I mean, there's 12 people who want to win an NBA championship. Absolutely. And, and I think it's okay within a year or ten years even if you're married for them to accept that this is the most important thing in my life, and this is what I'm going to drive to. I don't think everyone feels that way about hitting q three results when they go to work
3: <laughs> yeah i'm with you I, I
1: will also I will also say that a lot of that comes from knowing that you're at the right company like if if you have the if you at the right company, even if it's your own company where you're the own, where you're the leader it's like oh, I have the tools. We have Michael Jordan. We have the best player on the planet. We should probably capitalize on having this person, and I should be able to do my role to help him do his for all of us to
0: win. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, to that point, though, the board probably feels a lot different than the average worker, and Michael Jordan probably felt a lot different than the ball boy. Like the ball yeah. boy. Eric felt
1: different than all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Very different.
4: No, that's facts. I, I would say to that point, like, you know, as we talk about talent, um, it's interesting because obviously, you know, and you know this, you don't even need to watch the doc to know this, that Michael Jordan was one of the most gifted athletes we've ever seen grace the planet. And I think what's interesting is like, it, it started to make this parallel to business and that, you know, they talk about in business, this notion of like toxic workers. So these are people who are, you know, they're immensely talented or they're immensely brilliant, but they end up getting results for the company at expense of the workplace culture uh, because everybody ends up being miserable just working with them. Um, and So I guess one of the things that I'm curious about just to hear your guys' opinion on is, you know, what's kind of more important? Um, is it hiring these really talented people who make the company successful, even if that means driving everyone else crazy, or is it about maintaining sort of this positive workplace, uh, even if you're never truly as successful as you could be?
2: I think you got to shake shit up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ryan says
0: that and goes on mute. Not, not...
3: Not
1: not for changing shit up's sake, though. Because I, th- I feel like they're, I mean, I, I think that's situational, personally. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, again, I think, like, you're talking about 12 people who, who will work here for five years and not be here in the next five years is very different than the organization where you have people who retire over 30 years. So uh, you, you shake shit up, yes but like the bulls had the luxury of shaking shit up for a certain period of time and only affecting a minute uh, population of people versus in a company. It it just evolves over time. It's a huge, you know, you you can have tens of thousands of employees. So maybe,
1: so maybe we're not talking about it from the standpoint of like the CEO, but we're talking about it from the standpoint of just like, Managers that manage teams of yes. twelve or so, right? Like maybe that's yep. the purview that we should be looking at it as opposed to the overall like whatever I decide will affect. Because cause we're not because we're not we're not Jerry Reinsdorf fear. No one cares about the owner <laughs> that owned the owned the Bulls. He didn't step in when he was supposed to step in and and shit went the way it went. And he's already rich. So. And he's already rich. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He could really care less about what Michael Jordan really really wants at the end of the day, which he showed. Um, but I think that there is, there is a lot to be learned from, especially especially when you think about how tech works. And tech, for real, is a lot of one-year deals. There's a lot of two-year deals. There's a lot of moving around to another team, it's a lot of free agency, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. like, when you think mm-hmm. about having the right people and acknowledging that you have the right people, having the emotional intelligence awareness to know that you have the right people to actually do something cool, um, and the fact that you're in a position that has some impact, I think it's interesting to see what the
0: buy in is yeah.
1: when you feel like you yeah. have those tools to your earlier point, it's like it's easy to be like, oh, I'm only gonna be here for a year. I really don't care.
0: There's two on that point, I think that's that's, that's a really good context.
2: Kind of um, I'm with it.
0: Like I'm okay. Um and, and mind you like this is MJ's leadership style is not my leadership style or necessarily one to outperform under. But if you are building a team to, to reach a specific objective and you are recruiting people to be on that team who understand what what they' are getting themselves into in order to reach that then then I think that is what it is like you you are creating you are creating a a um a, a microcosm of a world uh right here and this is this is the law in this world this is how we operate in order to achieve this this singular goal um on board or not I do think we have to we talk about diversity a lot. We have, to, we have to accept diversity of perspectives, diversity of leadership st- styles, um, and it's very different when I'm talking about an organization of, you know, 100,000 people, and, and I can't find my place to fit in, but if you're talking about a team of 10 people, and this is what the, the path that they're on, then you're with it or you're not, and it's it's okay if you're not. It, it, this just isn't the place that you, need, you should be. Yeah,
4: and, and I guess the only thing I would add to that is, like, even in the context of you know, it being, you know, I don't know, 12 to 13 people or whatever, understanding that everybody has different levels of motivation to what they want to accomplish in life. And I think it was something that Stu was hitting on earlier, where it's like, there is no one size fits all approach to leadership. And mainly that's because everyone has different motivations. So yeah, Mike walked in every day thinking like, I'm trying to win a ring. You know what, Judd Butchler (laughs) might have been like, I'm just trying to hit a couple threes and make a million dollars and feed my family. And that was his measure of success. So I think it's hard when you, when like some of the, the things that I feel like have been troubling as I've been watching the reaction to the documentary is like, you no, know, well, now I'm i I'm gonna motivate my team like MJ or like, now I'm going to go out there and start like, you know, inspiring everybody to go out there and go get it and win championships. You know what?
2: Everyone doesn't want to win a championship. And that's it's fine real. too. Yeah, you I know, mean, they I, might just <clears throat> want to bring home that nice check and head home look, you know, how they knees busted every time. You know? That's real. Have it's you not- Have you guys gotten
1: a chance to read Kobe's book, The Mamba Mentality? Um, in it, he talks about. In it, he he has a section where he talks about how how he inspired players that he played with, and how he learned because when he was younger he spent a lot of time just challenging things not because he was challenging but he was just wanted to understand what the f- philosophy was for certain uh or what the reasoning was for why we were doing x or y yep and as he got older and in the later portions of his career when he was working with Andrew Bynum who was younger and pa- Pau Gasol and you know he still had he still had some of the older players on the team he started to understand how to tailor his approach to motivating people based on what inspired them so he uses meta world peace formerly known as ron artest as as his his subject if you will not not to be demeaning but in the book kind of refers to it that way and he was like with 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 him he had had this great career basketball has been his life his whole time basketball took him out of queens but he was never a champion Right. And so because I was a champion, he listened to everything that I had to say. And and I think that that's that's it's, it's kind of like Dennis Rodman, but not quite because Ron Artest didn't do half the <laughs> <laughs> half <laughs> crazy stuff that that Dennis was on Dennis was on, on another planet vacation. Another planet, <laughs> completely different. But I think that that's the point here, right? In terms of leadership styles is you can't be that staunch with everybody. You yep. have to find a way to And I think really good leaders do that, especially like on sales teams where you have goals, X, Y, and Z. It's like, oh, you know, you were talking about, you know, your kid going to this private school or you were talking about buying this house or whatever it was. Or you're talking about being manager or director someday. You know, I am this person now. Let me help you. I want to give you the tools to do that. I want to give you this project. I want you to lead that. So finding different ways to inspire people, I think, is probably the better approach. The approach that I personally Love more than the. You need to do this because you're better than this, and we need to win this. You know, right. I think that I think that that more that has more empathy because it sounds like. I know you, and I and I know what you care about, and I care about it too, and because our goals align, let's go do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that's it the was key, if it was The aligning
3: of goals. it was only that <laughs>
1: simple, right? But yeah, ideally in a perfect world, that's that's not COVID filled that would be that would be the great way to do it we still trying to figure out how to manage from from home not real talk and inspire from home which is also that's a whole another thing because you know i mean going to, going to practice and being like yo and doing it over zoom is completely different
4: yeah totally totally and to that point like i mean empathy is a skill like a lot of people talk about it as like it's a personality attribute but really what it is is something that you have to work on, you know, every day because if you're really somebody who's empathetic to somebody else's situation, you're living in that moment with them or you're you're really trying to understand where they're coming from. And so I think that that's the hard part because a lot of times, especially if you take which what a lot of businesses like to do, which is take lessons from
1: sports and
0: apply them <laughs> yeah. to business,
4: they'll say like well, here's the thing that you have to do for all your employees and it's We're on the like, one you
1: know, yard line. We need to get... <laughs> if <laughs> I like, had this
4: control. shit does not work. Yeah. Really... Everyone's an individual. You know, and, and I think when you're thinking about the concept of team, you have to understand there are different things that motivate different people and people have different lived experiences and different personality traits. And it is your job as a leader to understand what those different things are to get the most out of them, opposed to just being like, I don't understand why you don't want to win.
1: <laughs> like, Emp- empathy comes empathy comes with emotional intelligence. And if you can't read emotional intelligence, there's no way you can be, you, if you can't use <laughs> emotional intelligence to read when you need to be empathetic, it's hard to do that. And so Michael Jordan's leadership style is, is devoid of any emotional <laughs> intelligence. It's like, yo, this is the goal. Go do it. I'm on the court, so I'm holding you to a high standard, regardless of anything else.
3: Totally. Totally.
4: Yeah, and I think what was interesting, too, is like, if you watch the documentary, you saw how he got choked up even talking
0: about that.
4: Um, Because, you know, when he was like, if this isn't the way you want to play the game, then don't play the game that way. Um, and, and I think it's because, you know, if you think about his legacy, his legacy is associated with a lot of that, that tough love or get in line type sort of mentality. And he's just, I think, you know, in, in older ages, probably understanding that like, look, this is the way I did it and it worked for me, but I'm not out here trying to say that that's the way that's going to work for everybody. Although everybody is saying that that's what I'm saying,
2: (laughs) you know what I mean?
4: So it's, it's interesting.
1: I mean, MJ, I mean, I think it, I think the reason he got emotional is he cares a lot about how people remember him, but also I would say that he was very young when he won his sixth championship. You know, I don't know the age off the top of my head, but I would assume that he was what? 31, 32, something like that. Yeah. Right. And and we're, we're that age right now. So think about if you had this focus that was just so crazy and intense that entire time. Now he's the grandfather. He has he has uh, grand grandchildren. He, you know, his life is completely different. He's worth two billion dollars. I think that there's a couple things that he he probably wished that he could have changed because he knows more now. Yeah. Right. That empathy. That, totally. But, and I think that that's what made him emotional and, and, and that's, that's the hero's journey, right? There there are blind
3: spots, (laughs) there
1: are blind spots when you reminisce and you get emotional because you wish you had the information that you have now.
0: Yeah. How much, um, that, that, that that's a really great perspective, by the way, um, Stu, um, Man, and for everybody, but Jeff, maybe you have more context working with Nike and, and Jumpman. But how much do you guys think he intentionally built this, outside the championships, built this Jordan brand um, hmm. that he built uh versus kind of luck or timing? So on, you man. need a little bit of luck always, man.
3: I I think that, yeah, to Sue's point, you know, luck is not a bad thing. Um, I mean, even how it began, right? Like moms told him to go, excuse me, Mrs. Jordan told him to go take the meeting, right? You know, so he wasn't even going to go walk into this blessing. Um, I'm really curious, right, as someone who, you know, marketing misfits, went to school to, to understand branding, a part of me feels like Jordan in the beginning may have just been like an artist in a sense of he had to worry about the craft of basketball, and then he had all the minds around him to understand his prowess at basketball was going to sell this product, right? And I'm sure I feel like probably the second three-peat was when you more than likely got more of Jordan, the brand, you know, the the brand, and somebody understanding it. But I really do feel like those... Um, once again, drawing from the, the doc, you know he really just wanted to be in a place where he did something that Bird and Magic didn't do, and I feel like but, that was his main focus.
0: But it also felt like there was so much attention of getting Jordan as a brand, um, even as a rookie, and and he wasn't a championship player for years, and that that's what was surprising to me. It's just mm-hmm. like how much enthusiasm was um, and fan, fan, fanatics are fantasism? I don't know the right word. Uh, whatever that is uh, behind Jordan before he was a, a, a six-time champion. I
1: mean, well, he was he was one he was one of the better college basketball players in North Carolina, and he you know he hit he, I mean he hit a really big shot <laughs> to win the yep. championship against Georgetown against Patrick Ewing, who is is my my New York Knicks legend that you know pretty much lost to Jordan on every single level. He lost in yep. college, lost I mean I mean. He, I mean Jordan owned Patrick Ewing. I mean, it's well documented. I think that because of the style and the way that he plays the game, people just loved him, right? And so when you look at when you look at Kobe Bryant, you look people loved him because of how much he reminded them of Jordan. But that didn't come to a little later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at LeBron, people love him because his style of basketball is completely different. Then it's not the same. It's again, it's closer to a person that likes to facilitate and distribute the ball and, and get everybody involved. And occasionally he can just dunk on your head. Magic, right? Ma- ma- magic, magic, magic wasn't dunking like LeBron though. So that is slightly different, but it is a way closer to to magic than, than it is to, to, to Michael. And I think that is fascinating because I would tell you that my uncles were like, they were enamored. You know, I was, I was way too, I wasn't even alive. <laughs> When they were doing what they were doing, you know, and and when they won, I don't rem, I really don't remember the first three championships that Jordan won. Ninety one, yeah, ninety one. I was four, five, and six right. for the, but I remember ninety six, ninety seven, and ninety eight. Yep, yep. Um, at that point, I was fully invested in basketball more than I was football, and and remembering how how that went down. So yeah, I mean, that was the best part. But when you think about Nike and all of that and, and Mama Jordan. We're gonna call her Mama Jordan. She she all of our mamas now at this point. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sweet lady, you know? Um that's one of those things, that's the aspect of Michael Jordan that if you're a basketball player today and you have your own shoe or you have a contract with a company that is like this is your thing, they made a logo, you owe Michael Jordan a check. No, that's bottom, true. Bottom line change. That's true the game that that became that is now we don't even think about it lebron james 80 more million dollar contract out of high school with nike oh okay makes sense yep because you had jordan as the predecessor and so you understood why that deal made sense yeah and and i think there's only two players that have a lifetime thing is jordan lebron right they have a lifetime deal with nike believe so i believe, I believe so. so
4: yeah
1: and as much as i love penny hardaway i mean you know it was what it was <laughs>
4: No, I, I would just say, too, like to answer Mike's question, I think when Mike was doing it, he was, you know, he was in a process, too, where he was letting his game kind of do the talking. So
1: it wasn't a team then. It was just Mike, Mike, Mike in the bullets. Yeah, <laughs> like you you
4: saw his greatness on the court and his greatness transcended culture in so many ways that, like, you couldn't help but pay attention. And I think he lived in a different world that, you know, a lot of the athletes do now. Whereas, like, you think about somebody like LeBron, and yes, coming out of high school, you know, he had the Sports Illustrated cover. He was labeled the chosen one. He had a whole bunch of different pressure on him than even Mike had at that time. But LeBron was also in a world where he understood how marketing works, how social media works. And he was able to craft his image in a way where he was like, here's the specific lane that I'm trying to like kind of operate within a lot to work
1: with. You had a lot to
4: learn. You know, and what's been interesting is like a lot of people have been, you know, talking about, you know, with this documentary, the goat conversation is over. And my, my perspective, whether it's a hot take or not is like, well, LeBron's competition isn't really Michael Jordan. It's Muhammad Ali. Like he Mm. wants to be the people's champ. He wants to be known in the same regard of like, standing for different sort of uh, social justice initiatives or societal equality and things of that nature, that's what LeBron, his brand has pivoted towards that. So, like, Mike was like, yo, I do my thing, I dunk on people, I win championships, and Republicans buy sneakers, too. And with LeBron, he's like, he, he understood very early on, because he grew up in a different era, that, like, his whole thing was about standing for something that was was larger than the court, as it relates to the worlds of like societal impact and so forth. So like,
2: I don't even. It was think a different coming of age story, right? It's like a different coming of age story in terms of like just the environment that they were brought up in. Totally, totally,
4: totally. But if you were to like compare on the court, like, I mean, I guess you could compare it, but there to me personally, there's no comparison to Michael Jordan. But if you're to talk about broader societal impact, that's where the conversation starts to get interesting, because LeBron knew that from the, 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 the early onset, and he owns enough media and production companies and so forth to where he's shaping that narrative in real time. That didn't exist when Michael Jordan was playing, so we didn't even know how to do that. The fact that you mm-hmm. got to also consider this. Michael Jordan agreed to do that documentary for the last season of the Bulls, The Last Dance. The Golden State Warriors on that last season where Kevin Durant was playing said, "Fuck no, get those cameras out of our face.
1: We're not doing that."
4: Like, that's mm-hmm. because they know. <laughs> like, they didn't
0: know that back then. So I
1: want to I want to pose this question because I think that you you touch on a very interesting point. I think <clears throat> I think when you look at the last 30 years in terms of who is one in, within the NBA, there's been a lot of different leadership styles yep. that you have to take into consideration when you have this conversation. So in the last 30 years, this is 1990 to 2000, 2000, 2010, 2010 to 2020. You look at the Bulls, that's Michael Jordan who ruled that decade. I mean, I vaguely remember Elijah Wan and Rudy Tomjanovich and Mario Elie, you know that that whole crew. But I mean, that's largely outside of the realm what we're talking about. We talk about Kobe Bryant. We talk about Phil Jackson again. Yep. And then we talk about the Warriors. We talk about LeBron in, in in that. So so really, really we're talking about Michael Jordan's leadership style, LeBron James' leadership style, Kobe Bryant's leadership style. And Tim Duncan's leadership style, I would say, in the last oh, and then you think about the Celtics too, because you could throw them in there. I think that's a very interesting um case there. I mean, black head coach winning is pretty dope.
4: But I I think to that point, like, if we were to if we were to break it down, so like let's start with we have MJ's leadership style.
3: Yeah, we start. And if you
4: and if you were to go into the, the Spurs, it's not even Tim Duncan's leadership style. It's Greg Popovich's.
3: Leadership Popovich, style. correct. I'm glad so you, you got the up. coach. But that's important because what does he stand for
1: as a coach, though? I, I'm so happy you said that because I think that's really important because leadership is also a trickle down sometimes. Leadership sometimes you, you they take the tone of who, of who the head coach is, right? Popovich totally. is a very learned,
3: well read person. <laughs>
4: But, like, if we're if we're going to be totally honest right now, it's like we're talking about Michael Jordan's leadership style for the sake of the topic mm-hmm. and and so forth. But that was very much on mm-hmm. Phil Jackson. Sure. So, like, as you watch yeah. the documentary, you saw how he opened Michael Jordan even up to realizing the importance of his teammates. You mm-hmm. saw how he let Dennis Rodman, quote, unquote, go on a vacation and do all this wild shit because he was like, that's what's going to get the leadership most out of
1: him. Yeah. Right?
4: And then that transitions over to Greg Popovich, Mm -hmm. right? So like Greg Popovich and the Spurs, successful organization for all these different years. And then when you think about like, and I don't want to brush past Doc Rivers, but just for the sake of keeping the the conversation going, it's like, then you think about Steve Kerr, Mm -hmm. who played underneath that system with Greg Popovich, who played underneath Phil Jackson and learned both of their styles of literally motivating groups of people and one of the biggest things that Steve Kerr had before he went to the Warriors, he was trying to figure out what's my motivation style? Like, what is my like like what's my style to get people going? And his biggest thing was like we got to play with joy. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got to be happy, and the moment they lost that the Warriors started losing.
1: Do you think but, do you think that that joy comes from maybe some of uh, some of the sadness <laughs> of playing with Michael like like he, he, that's very much the Gordon, Gordon Bombay school of coaching <laughs> where it's like ducks fly together, we play for fun, we play for us.
4: I think, you know, I think it depends on the environment, right? So 1998 was very different than 2018. Absolutely. So I would say that in the environment that the NBA was at that time, Jordan and Phil Jackson sort of, Style was the right style for that moment in time. I think Steve Kerr going into it, and he had a lot of conversations not only with Phil, but with Popovich as well to say, This is what type of leadership style am I trying to find? And he talked to Pete Carroll a lot. He was like, His biggest motivation for how he found his leadership style was, I love how Pete Carroll coaches USC. And I love how he ended up coaching Seattle. Those guys look like they're having fun. I want to take that and integrate that into the style in which I'm coaching the warriors. And I think for leaders, it's like, I I say all this to say, you got to find your identity in yourself to be able to lead properly. That's huge. You know what I'm saying? That's like, what are the things that are true about you? And when you find out what those things are true about you, that's going to make you more effective leader because all you're doing is amplifying who you already are. Bill did that. Popovich did that. And Kerr did that. Belichick even did that. Yeah. So I think that's the interesting thing about leadership is like a lot of times they'll tell you it's a one size fits all approach when the reality is it's deep soul searching and then thinking about what within your soul you can use to motivate other people.
3: Agreed.
0: That sounds like a a good good way to end the podcast. Yes, sir. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> drop it, drop it, drop it. Oh. <laughs>
2: A mic drop, mic drop. Yeah, Jeff was in the uh, leadership bag, boy. I love it.
0: <laughs> boy, that that hits you do something different, man.
3: What all <laughs> <laughs> over the place.
0: <laughs> um, cool, man. Uh, so so, thank you, thank you, thank you again for, for tuning in to the Marketing Mission Podcast once again. Uh, to, to listening all, all these these dope people and, and the way that that everyone is kind of touching culture in in unique ways and perspectives. Um this is episode 28. Um we will be back. Um we will try out this this quarantine uh approach to podcasting. Please 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 um subscribe, uh comment, um review, rate friends, friends. Yeah, tell all your friends friends. And let us know. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Um, give us feedback. Um, we would love to, to talk about any topics that you guys are interested in. Um, the best way to reach out to us is on our Instagram. So DM us on the, the marketing misfits Instagram. Uh, Ryan, episode,
1: 29. episode 29,
0: episode 29. Episode 29. What's, what's the, what's what's the handle? <laughs> Ryan's
1: gone <laughs> at yeah, marketing underscore
0: understood. misfits.
2: I'm still here. What you mean?
0: Oh, okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think well, it's yeah. my screen
2: my trying, screen my trying to cancel Ryan there now, now the handle is inactive unless somebody wants to take over it but I ain't got nothing to do, why not <laughs> <go>. <laughs> exactly so DM us do if you have any topics to
0: <laughs> what is it one more time Ryan
2: marketing underscore misfits
0: and it's up uh, episode 28 of the Marketing Misfits Podcast I am Mike Summers
3: Dave Smith Jeff McHenry Ryan Chappelle, Stuart
2: Cornelius.
0: And we out.